kaulana na kona i ke kuahiwi o huala lei. Ano ai na hoa hoolohe, eia no kākou no kapukana hope loa i ka aina vela loa o kona. Renowned are the lands of Kona, above which rises the mountain Hualalai. Aloha nui to our listeners. Velina mai, welcome to Kaleo o Kauluau. Aloha eju, pehe oi. Mai kai mahalo. We have reached our final episode in the Moku of Kona. What a journey it has been. Before we head into the neighboring Moku of Kohala, we have one more mo'olelo to share with our friends who are listening in. That's right, Lei. We've traversed the districts of Hilo, Puna, Kau, and Kona, moving clockwise from Moku to Moku, and soon we will be moving on. We began at Waiake and Hilo, at the foot of Mauna Loa, and now we find ourselves on the majestic volcano Hualalai. Our next guest has a deep pilina or connection with this mauna and its lands, an ancestral and ongoing connection. Would you please do the honor of introducing our next special guest? Of course. Hannah Kihalani Springer is a kama'aina of Kaupulehu and Ahupua in Kekaha North Kona. Kekaha extends from Puanahulu in the north through Honokohawiki in the south. Kukui Ohiwai is the name of the ancestral home which she shares with three generations of family at the midlands of Kaupulehu. Hannah's husband, Michael Prosper Tomich, raised sheep for market, and their son, Kekaulike, and his family garden and grow native dryland forest species, which he helps them with. Hannah is an advocate for civic engagement and has held elected, appointed, volunteer, and professional positions, always emphasizing place-based sensibilities and community-based cultural and natural resources management. The dynamic natural processes of Kikaha have been a lifelong interest, study, and sharing which Hannah will be doing through our Kaleo Kauluau podcast today. Mahalo, Eju, for that ho'olamana. Let's go over to her now. Aloha makua kihalani. We're so happy to have you here on our Kaleo Kauluau podcast. It's a true pleasure to see you again after the passage of so many years since we were last together on the summit of Hualalai together on a huaka'i. And at that time, we so appreciated the knowledge that you shared of that mauna and the special places there. And your commitment to the well-being of this special mountain and these lands of Kika in Kona shown through every moment and they continue to do so. And we know this to be true from your, um, your past and your ongoing work today to lift up this magnificent part of the island of Hawaii. So mahalo nui for being here with us today. We are really happy about it. E no oli. Aloha. Aloha e makua kihalani. Eo. We are so glad that you could join us and we're looking forward to hearing your perspective on this moku of Kona. Well, to begin at the beginning, I'd like to share those who um, produced me. So, Oao no Okihalani. Oao no Kapulapulo Okihalani Amekanani. Okihalani Kapulapulo Okihalani Amekahiva Hiva. Okihalani Kapulapulo O Uluhema Lama Amekihalani Nui. O Uluhema Lama Kapulapulo O Luka Ameyoane. O Luka Kapulapulo O Kealoha Amekamaile. O Kealoha Kapulapulo O Haiha Amekahopula Au. A Haiha Kapulapulo O Hailao Amekinolao. A Kea Maupulapula Na Pulapula Maulino O Komako Ainaha Nau O Ke kaha vaiole ia kainoa. A, o kukui o hivai kainoa o ko mako aina aloha maanei. No laila, aloha mai ka aina mai, aloha mai na pula pula mai, aloha mai kākou. Aloha. Oia, mahalo. Ai. It's important for me to give voice to those names because in that recitation of our lineage, 
We live no more than five miles distant from where any one of those generations lived at any time. These are the generations from the time of, I used to say Captain Cook's arrival, but now I say Kamehameha's rise <laughs> until now. And at Kukuyohivai, of course, we're joined by our children and their children as well. I'm so glad for this time together. Yes, we are too. Okay. From Kukuyohivai, if you look out across the landscape, and you can, if you go to the blog and you look at the pictures there, you'll find a shot from Kukuyohivai looking out across the landscape with Puhiapele in the middle ground, Mahayula along the shoreline, and the promise of rain the statement of moisture in the air out over the ocean. Puhiapele is, of course, the site of the 1801 Hualalai eruption. It's the most recent eruption of Hualalai. And Mahayula is a wahipana, a wahialoha that's known in song, including from the Helen Deshe Beamer song collection. Now, I was born in Kona, but I was raised up on O'ahu in Kaimuki on 8th Avenue. And Aunt Helen's daughter, Harriet Magoon, also lived on 8th Avenue in Palolo Valley. And growing up with the songs of our homeland, of Mahayula, of Pu'uva'ava'a, of Kiawaiki Hula, of Kiawaiki, of Paniau, those places known and loved when we would come home. They were always with us through Aunt Helen's music, so I lift up her and her family as well. Now, Puhiapele, the most recent eruption of Hualalai, made a significant impact on our Ainaha Nau. Before the eruption, there was a breadfruit grove in the uplands of Huehue called Kamehaikana. There was a pond below called Pa'aiea. Now Pa'aiea was where the lava delta, which is below us here at Palamanui, was situated. The Hawaiian language newspapers described the pond of Pa'aiea as being three miles long and one mile wide. Now, you know, some people say at on Hawaiians, huh? But inside of the hyperbole is the understanding that there was a very large fish pond that was situated in this location. And both the pond of Pa'aiea and the breadfruit grove of Kamehaikana then were important parts of the traditional economy of the region. Now in 1801, this was a time of Kamehameha's rise, and the books from Kamakau to Deshe tell us that uh, Kamehameha had been neglectful. He was perhaps not paying Pele as much attention as he should have been paying her, and so she paid a visit. It said that uh, when she came, she came out of the uplands of Hualalai, uh, leaning on her coffee wood cane. Now, I was telling this story one time, and one of the Eleu members of uh, the folks with whom I was, I was speaking uh, said, oh, coffee hadn't been interrupted, introduced yet. I said, well, but there are 26 native members of the coffee family. So perhaps she was leaning on um, an alahe'e stick. One of her kako was from one of the native members of the coffee family. But she came out of the interior of the island. It said that she uh, saw 
the sails off of shore. And attracted by that and with the thought of the fish that might be there, she made her way down to the pond of Pa'ai'ea. When she got there, she asked for some food, and there was no food for her. She was told that it belonged to the Konohiki. She was told that above the Konohiki was the chief, Kamehameha. She asked for even chum, even some palu then, if none of the, f- the fish was available for her. She was denied this, and, and it said that she turned and walked away. And I wonder if she, she walked into this zone where we are now, because as she began to ascend the mountain, a man named Kapulau called out to her and said, and he offered her some pa'iai and some dried fish, and, and she told him to set lepa flags out at the corners of his hale because uh, there would be unusual events in the night. And then she went on her way, and as she continued on up towards Huehue, she came to the village of Manuahi. The people of Manuahi were out, perhaps tending the breadfruit grove of Kamehaikana, but for two girls who were left behind, and they were roasting breadfruit. These girls, Kolomu'o and Pahinahina, had just put the ulu into the embers of the fire that they had. The woman came upon them and she said, we should eat, after sharing, of course, greetings with one another. We should eat. They told her, we cannot eat. We only just now put the ulu into the embers. And she said, never mind. She asked uh, the girls of the breadfruit was there to be shared, and and they said, no, we've just put it in, and she inquired of them, for whom do you prepare your breadfruit? And the girl Kolomuo said that she prepared the breadfruit for Lai, the patron of her family, and Pahinahina said she too prepared the breadfruit for the patron of her family, who was Pele. Upon hearing this, the woman said, ah, the ulu is ready. We should eat, and when they checked, indeed it was ready, and they partook. To Pahinahina, the woman said, put lepa at the sides of your house because there will be unusual events on the Mauna tonight. And so she did. Later on in the evening, as the people of the Kahalans looked up to Hualalai, as they looked at the Mauna, to the Hema, to the south side, they saw fire. And they thought it was the Ua'u hunters on that part of Hualalai. Later in the evening, they looked to the Akau side, and there they thought it was the foresters, people going into the woods for, for trees or, or foliage, uh, fiber perhaps. And that fit in, that was fine. But then soon, of course, was revealed what the source of the fire was. And there where the breadfruit grove of Kameha kind of once had been, uh, Puhiapele emerged, the cinder and spatter cone that we can see from the Kahumanu Highway, and you can see in that picture when you look at the blog. The lava then flowed down slope. If you're on the Kahumanu Highway and you see that large lava tube in the vicinity of the Keohole Airport, and your eye follows the finger of lava from that lava tube up the slope of Hualalai, you'll find yourself at Puhiapele. The lava emerged from that tube-fed system and spread out to form a lava delta greater than three miles long, but which filled the fish pond of Pa'ai'ea. 
Kamehameha was on his rise. He was a chief with mana, with skill, with good people surrounding him. The lesson of the story of Pa'aia tells us, though, that in the hierarchy of things, he was not at the top of the ladder, that there were those on the rungs above of him. So we take heed of this lesson. And in the 1990s, we became engaged, inspired by uh, events that revealed the frailties of leadership, and we engaged in a number of interventions here in Kona. During the 1990s, from South Kona with the Hokulia intervention, and in Kona, at Koanaiki, with the Pash intervention, we engaged in county affairs successfully. At Kaupulehu, we engaged in a federal Army Corps of Engineers dredging permit where we were able to argue successfully that biological communities, the limu beds, the kupe'e nests, and a certain moihole should be analyzed using National Historic Preservation Act criteria. This had not be done, been done before that. Those biological communities did not rise to the standard of Historic Preservation Act protection, but they did invoke the act as a form of investigation. So they were investigated not only for their biology, but also for their cultural value. Also at Ka'upulehu, we intervened on a state land use commission action to reclassify 1,000 acres of conservation land into the urban designation. We took to heart the story of Puhia Pele and the pond of Pa'aiea, because if you recall from the story, at one point there was that fire that appeared on the Akau side where we th the people of Kekaha thought that perhaps it was foresters at work. And um, there's a large A'a flow that is near to Kalaimano, which you folks know well, and that flow caught our attention. We realized that in the environmental impact statement, although there had been testimony that salt continued to be collected there, the EIS stated that salt collection had stopped decades previously. We also took heart that that AA flow was part of the story, part of the history, part of the mo'olelo, part of the ha'avina of Puhiapele in the pond of Pa'aiea, and that we should question authority. And so we did, and the result of that was the name of our intervention, Kapa'akai o Ka'aina. The interveners were in alphabetical, not political hierarchy, Kalahui Hawaii, the Kona Hawaiian Civic Club, and the Protect Kohanaiki Ohana. We came forward modestly, looking at the EIS, looking for discussion of salt gathering and the practices associated with it, and did not find it included there. As we studied, we also realized that the State Historic Preservation Division 
of the Department of Land and Natural Resources had not yet promulgated rules for its actions. So whatever advice they gave during proceedings, such as this reclassification of 1,000 acres from the conservation to the urban designation, were only in the form of guidelines. They were not rules that could be enforced. So those things, that intersection of mo'olelo and administrative rules, brought forward our intervention and the decision which takes its name from our hui, Kapa'akayoka Aina. The Kapa'akayoka Aina test is now used in government decisions across the Paiaina of Hawaii to determine if cultural practices, the intangible landscape associated with them, the geophysical landscape associated with them and the biological communities associated with them are included in analysis as whether as well as the architectural and artifactual remains. So from this stark landscape that is a tricky one, you know, we've talked about it as as Kikahavaiole and and clearly if you look out upon it, Aohekavai, but our home, Kukuyohivai, we continue to live on water tank catchment. So we've heard the mo'olelo, we've heard the ha'avina, from the lips of one generation to the ears of the next, and we take it to heart. We hear about how even until my great-great-grandfather's time, he caused for a redwood tank to be built in one of the storied anakulu, anakave, kulu, drip, those caves where water drips when rain falls and percolates through the lava, eventually to the veins of water that travel from the interior of the island to the ocean, feeding the fisheries there. But in the meanwhile, where there are anakulu, this flow of water, this percolation of water, during times of rain can be collected. In times of old, they collected this water in va'a, in troughs, in umeke, in gourds. But in my great-great-grandfather's time, a redwood tank was built, modern technology, yeah, to capture those waters. This water was used by our family until my mother's childhood. There are traditions where other families of the region would have similar catchments, whether it was a redwood tank or a series of pakini or those troughs that we've talked about from times of old. These are so important to our understanding of our place on this land in conjunction with the water cycle. Kekaha vai ole ia. You all are from the east side, so this may be a foreign concept that we share now. But imagine this. I've told you that we still live on water catchment. In 2012, we got less than seven inches of rain in one year. Like our ancestors, who relied on the waters of those anakulu for dry times such as this, we've learned to store our water. We've used to treat our water judiciously. When the rains are falling, well, we don't have a tub at our house. We take long showers. As the rains back off, the showers get shorter, shorter. Maybe they even get fewer. 
we employ techniques that we know the people of old, old did. Mulching the ground. During these dry times, when the rain might fall, go out into the mala, pull the mulch back, let the rain fall directly on the plant, and then remulch again when the rain goes away. A cousin of mine from central Kona, and it's so much wetter in central Kona than it is here, but a cousin of mine in central Kona said, cousin, you spend entirely too much time lamenting and dithering over the dry seasons. You really... You need to get over this because look at all the good things that happen during the dry season. During the dry season, when the, when the grass pulls back from your fence lines and your stone walls, you can see where the breaks that need repair are. When the grass dries, you can see where the drips are from your precious water tank water, and you can make the necessary repairs. And plus, all the tools that you've lost during those wet times in the long grass can then be found. So Cousin taught me an important lesson to, um, of context and of maintaining a positive attitude in what we have to do. You know, to aloha ike kahi ike kahi is a challenge when we engage civically. The interventions are not always comfortable. We may find family and friends pitted against one another. We may find the process itself fetching each other into the process to neutralize or counter one another. In Kona, especially in Kaupulehu, I'm pleased to say that no matter what side of a proposal we found ourselves, we never broke first the form of aloha ike kahi ike kahi. Because you never know who you're going to run into at KTA, you know. <laughs> and you want to be able to share that aloha that you have. And so by doing that, you protect that aloha that you share. And this is an important lesson in civic engagement, especially in this season when there seems to be such polarization and so much discord and so much willingness to look at each other without compassion or aloha. Uh, these lessons that stem from the people of this landscape are, are worthy uh, to be shared in a medium such as this today. You know, um, we're making mo'olelo now. You know, the mo'olelo of kapa'akayoka aina is, is taught not only in kona, but also at the Richardson School of Law. And there are um, um, legal articles that discuss it across the nation. One of the things that we try to do, that we, that we do in the Kaha lands is to live our lives and tell the stories, the histories of our lives as if they are the mo'olelo of old. We want to be facile in that language also because we know what we've learned from the lips of the previous generation to the ears of the generation that we are, so we want to perpetuate 
that practice. One of our favorite lessons, and you'll see another picture at the blog, looking, um, it, it's like a mirror image. This one is looking from the Makai up towards Kukuyohivai. And again, you see that, that column of color, that spectrum uh, connecting heaven and earth. So this photograph taken from the Ka'ahumanu Highway, looking up Hualalayan towards Kuyohivai, reminds us of the story of uh, Kavayakane. Uh, the time, as, as it says in the Hawaiian language newspapers, before the coming of Pele to this land, comes the story of Kane and his sister, Kumukea Kalani, who was the ali'i of the land, and a dry time had come. And uh, for us of uh, Kekaha especially those of us who continue to live on water catchment, and for those of us from times going Ikawamamau, when catchment was all that we had unless the water was falling directly from heaven. This is an important story because when the drought came to the land, Kumukea Kalani put herself into proper order. She sought, not legal, but spiritual advice and set herself apart in keeping with the advice that she received. She went into pule, she went into fasting. And when she emerged... From that time, she knew what she had to do. And so she invited her brother Kane to come and be with them there at Kahuvai, which you'll also see in photographs at the blog. At Kahuvai, she looked up the Mauna and in a distance, and you'll see from the photographs, you can see great distances across this, this lava landscape. She looked up. And she saw her brother coming across the landscape towards her. So just think of that bar of color bring her, being her brother. And think of the relief and the aloha and the joy that she saw at his coming towards her. Now, this is a sh short version of a long story. But in the story, he arrives amongst the people. The people have become weakened by the, the drought conditions. He asks that an imu be built much like the woman from the story of the pond of Pa'aiea, in those days when you received instructions from a stranger in your midst, you followed the instructions because, well, you never knew who was in your midst. And so the instructions were followed. The emu was prepared when even more astoundingly, this person put himself inside of the emu, caused it to be covered, and... After a short amount of time, he was seen emerging from the back shore of Kahuvai Bay. And as amazed as the people were, they followed his continuing instructions to open the emu where they found enough food for them to eat and to be restored and to be replenished. And the place where he came out of the water at Kahuvai Bay bears his name to this day, the Waiakane. Now, when I was a student of geography at the University of Hawaii at Hilo, taking geographic field techniques with Jim Juvik, we went to the Waiakane and measured the salinity of that column of water against the surrounding waters of the bay. And it was discernibly sweeter, more fresh. This was a story that I grew up with from my youngest times, 
from my mother's lips to my ears. But but she was just telling stories that she heard from her mother's lips to her ears, and, and which were captured by our Gaga, Eliza Davis Lowe McGuire, when she had translated and abbreviated the Mo'olelo that Isaac W.H. Kihei shared through the Hoku o Hawaii. Kona Legends is a modest book, but it saved place for this generation to come where Nakanaka are looking into the Hawaiian language newspapers in the first person, where they're not relying on abbreviations or, or reductions of the stories, but where they can read them in their entirety. And it's from uh, the pen of one generation to the eyes of others. But in the meanwhile, the work of, of Maguire and others was important for saving space for us to grow into, for making sure that the stories stayed alive on the landscape. And so we're grateful to her. We're grateful for also uh, the work of E.E. in the February 5th, 1870 issue of the Nupepa Kuokoa. E.E. described his childhood sail from Oahu to Kona, with Liholiho. Yeah? When the boys came past this lava delta that we've talked about, this lava delta where the Puhiapele flow filled the pond of Pa'aiea, the boys looked up and saw the still fresh and glassy Pa'hoihoi fingers coming down the mauna and being inexperienced with still glassy pa-hoi-hoi lava coming down the mauna, they remarked, what kind of place is this? The water is so beautiful. And the people on the boat said, oh, this isn't lava. And explain, I mean, this is not water. This is lava. And they explained the difference, how the pa-hoi-hoi looked like lava but was indeed firm, fixed land. Now, I appreciated this account intellectually, it was not until uh, the Naulu rain swept over Kilauea at Mauna Ulu and wetting the lava, the pahoi hoi, when the sun came out, I knew exactly what the boys had seen and knew exactly why they were confused. The footage in Last of the Mohicans does a similar thing, the Daniel Day-Lewis version, when they're walking up the granite streams of uh, the East Coast. But so, we're a mix of people. We bring the context of those who came before us into the work that we do. And at any point in that genealogy, which I recounted to you, taking always the name of the person who was closest to these lands, so that I could say in truth and clarity that none of us live more than five generations from each other over those seven with our kids and their kids, nine generations now. But we could take a veer off to New England on, uh, at Kanani. Uh, we, we could veer off to Italy, with him as well. And these are part of what make us who we are. In biology, you call this hybrid vigor, 
when there's hybridization. And so you know, we cannot deny, we cannot forget who we are and where we come from. But like the lesson that we learned at the time of Kapa'akayoka Aina, we can aloha ikekahi ikekahi. We can aloha nui ka ko. We can aloha mauloa. Mahalo. Mahalo. Hi. Mahalo nui for sharing um, all that you have, Makua Kihalani. And um, I think that we are really appreciative of the idea that you reminding us that those those stories, those mo'olalo, those kernels of ike and knowledge and um, stories that tell us how to interact with our landscapes and, and also speak to leadership and, and so forth are things that we can apply to our lives today and should. And um, I appreciate you making that direct connection between ancient stories and contemporary issues. I think we all need to hear that and remember that. Manu Meyer, when she was at grad school at Harvard, I went to visit her and I sat in on a um, cross-cultural education seminar. And it was, an in, it was a seminar, so it was a lengthy class. And I could observe the people in the room. And they were the people from the inner city, whether from modest neighborhoods or neighborhoods of means. There were people from the barrio of the West Coast. There were girls in their cashmere and pearls. There were men in black hats, dark glasses, dark coats. Manu from the islands, a couple of folks from Indian country, and a young man wearing a button-down suit and a wool blazer who was astoundingly different from the other people to me. And as the class continued, I noticed that well, e even Manu from the islands was from a city of some size, Honolulu. There were people from urban settings. This young man was from rural Appalachia. He was a farm fellow. And as I was making this observation and thinking about how much our geographies of origin shape our approaches to problem solving, they, they, they shape our, our humor, they shape our worldview. So the worldview from this Ainakaha is really quite an amazing thing. From Kukuyohivai, you know, on a clear day, we can see all the way to Ka'ala. That's wow. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the big body of Lanai blocks the Ko'olau, from our view. But from Kukuyohivai, we see Haleakala and Pu'ukukui. There's a corridor that we look down and we see Kamako and Kamalo on Moloka'i. To our left of that, we see Kaho'olave and Lana'i. To our left of that, on a very clear day, and this is now seven times in my life, we can see Ka'ala. Our son has a really good scope. And one of the last times that we saw, he said, Mom, I don't know what I'm looking at. They're like valleys and, and ridges. And, and with his scope, we could even see Mauna Lahilahi. Ah. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs>
and and this is part of our world and the reason that we aloha, you know, aloha ike kahi ike kahi, aloha aina, aloha nui. Mahalo. Aye. And with that, mahalo nui to Hannah Kihalani Springer for visiting us here at Kaleo Kauluau and for sharing ike of kona. Yes, we are very grateful and grateful to our friends listening in. Please join us again and don't forget to visit our blog, Facebook, and Instagram for much more. Until then, ahui ho. Aloha.